Hey guys, welcome back to the Marriage and Real Estate Podcast. We're your hosts, Kevin and Aisha Shelton. And today we have the art, let me make sure I say it right, artists, artists. How do you say it, y'all? Artists, yeah. Okay, artists. boom, artists. I should have asked you that before we before we started filming, the artists. Um, and I'm very excited to have them on because when, if y'all have heard our journey before, we've done almost everything under the sun in real estate before we landed on building and selling. Um, but before then, we tried everything. And one of the things that we had done for quite some time, and I thought we did it pretty well, was Airbnb. And so I was an avid listener of the Live, Let, Thrive podcast and listening to that journey. But I know you guys have done so much more since then. Um, and so I am eager and looking forward to hear where you guys have been um, what you guys are doing and where you see yourself going and sharing that with our audience. So welcome, Micah and Mahogany. Thank you. Thank y'all so much. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for, for coming. So I guess I'll kick it off. Um, I know who you guys are because I'm a fan, but for those who may not know who you are, tell us who uh, Micah and Mahogany are and what you all story is in real estate. You want to kick us off, babe? Me? Me? You're used to podcasting. I'm just... All right. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, basically, um, we're Micah Mahogany. Um, I have a podcast called Live, Let, Thrive, where we basically talk everything, short-term rentals, Airbnb. Uh, Mahogany is the opening voice to that. So if you ever listen, that is Mahogany's voice on the opening scene. Um, but we got into that in, a belie- I believe, 2016. Um, we got into it. We bought a condo. And um, Mahog- we were just really trying to dive into real estate. And Mahogany, um, her loctician, told her about Airbnb. So when we were buying this condo, Mahogany was like, you want to try this Airbnb thing? And I was like, what? And I kind of started running numbers, right? And I start running numbers. And I'm like, yo, this makes sense. I'm like, if we can rent this thing out for $70 a night, we can make our mortgage in a week. You know, so instantly light bulbs went off. So we tried it. We were making a killing. We were making a killing. We were like, man, this is the way to do it. So we ended up getting that one shut down. After it was shut down, we turned it into a corporate rental. We learned about corporate rentals. Then we started um, house hacking our house with it because our house is a two level and the upstairs is separate. We did that for a while. And then we started renting out timeshares. And now we're currently buying properties, rehabbing them, refinancing our money back out, and then turning them into Airbnbs or short-term rentals. Um, we just got what done with the last one. It wasn't in the so good neighborhood. So we're doing section eight as well. So we're kind of branching out and mahogany also does wholesaling on the side as well. There we go. Yeah. I feel like I could really speedboated through that. So I'm gonna back this up a little bit and give y'all some details about how we got started in real estate to begin with. Um, we knew we wanted to be entrepreneurs of some sort. So we we started our first business together um, around 2014 before our son was born, and it was called Melanated Businesses. And this was a business where we just collected business cards from different Black business expos, Black-owned businesses in the area, and we were just collecting this. And our goal was to make a database of Black-owned businesses. However, it got to a point where we we're collecting all this data, and we were getting ready to financially spend on this business. And it was like, wait, how are we going to make money off of this? Like, are we going to like partner with these businesses? Like, what are we doing? Exactly. So we didn't know. So we're like, okay, let's just try something else. And at this point, we were kind of exploring different options. Mike is like, hey, 
there's this rich dad, poor dad seminar. He had just finished the book and he was like, you know, we need to go to this. This is going to be really good. So we go to this rich dad, poor dad seminar in a hotel here in the DFW. Um, it was a really informational program. However, when you left, they're like, all right, you want the rest? $5,000 and come back to the next one. You guys know like how those ones go. So are we going to do it? You know, we want to spend this 5,000. We consulted with some of our mentors in real estate just to see if it was worth it. And they're like, you know, I wouldn't do it. Um, You can learn a lot more on your own than having to pay. It's just going to be a slower process. So we're like, okay, we're going to go for the $1,000 package. So we went for the $1,000 package. I think we each got like a tablet or a Chromebook for signing up. And so we went to this second seminar where they were trying to sell $10,000 worth of information in different contracts and things. So we decided not to go that route. But at this point, Micah was like, you know what? We're going to buy a piece of property. I've got enough information from this and from the research that he did on his own. That I know we need to buy some real estate. His dad was in real estate, but he never really taught him. I feel like a lot of times in our communities, our parents might have a wealth of information, but us getting it is slim to none. So we got our first condo, and that's the condo Micah was speaking of that got shut down. Um, it got shut down because our neighbors, we knew we were buying a condo in an HOA, but for some reason we thought we were slick enough to get past it. You know, I had made some friends with some HOA members who were living in the community. Um, I was going over to having coffee with them and stuff. So I'm like, oh, we're cool. We're going to get past this. And then they started sending us pictures in our email of guests coming and going that neighbors were taking pictures of our guests coming and leaving. And we were really bummed out about it because we were booked out like eight months. This is right by the stadium, right by the Cowboys stadium. You know, we were only like a month in and we were booked like eight months out. And so we were real excited and we did get shut down. So we did train it into a 30 day or longer stays. And we had it for years and it did well. We met a lot of awesome people. Um, During this time, yeah, we started renting out our three upstairs bedrooms and we would sleep with our son who was like one at the time. And so he shared room with us and we had people coming and going through our front door. We don't have a, you know, a specialty Gen X home or nothing. It's just a regular house, but it allowed us to pay off a lot of debt and kind of get our feet in the ground with short-term rentals. And so now here we are. I remember these stories too, just for the record. For I, first of all, I watched your son grow up on social. Okay. I remember when he was small and now he's big. And I remember the stories of you guys uh, renting the, your, your personal home too. So it's really interesting to hear, to have a conversation with you guys, because there was this one way communication that I'm just listening to. And now I get to have a conversation with you. But also, I love to share the stories of other couples and how they got started, right? And so I feel like that's who our audience is. We we have grown so much and we've done a lot in the time that we have been. And when I say we, I mean all of us in real estate. But for those people who are like, well, where do I start? I mean, this is the starting story is just so important to me. I think it's valuable information. So thank you for giving that uh, more color. I definitely like mahogany's color better. Yeah. <laughs> well, Michael, I like yours too. <laughs> Usually he always tells me to tell it, but no, I was like, he rolled through that. He was like, Yeah, man, you know, we started rolling. Like, she was like, No, look, this is what it was. You know, it's funny. So, and I'm I'm the wild one. She's the more structured one. So anytime I get off the rails, she'll bring me back. I want to hear horror stories because I know we short-term rentaled our guest room in our house. We have a non-traditional, well, 
it's not a non-traditional house. It's a regular house. But we Airbnb our guest room downstairs while we had us and a baby upstairs. And we did it only during the week while my oldest daughter wasn't there. Um, and we have crazy stories. I want to hear the worst story of the guest in your house. Give it to I, me. I already know what Mahogany's going to say. Go ahead. I already know which one you're going to say. The way he just said that, I don't know if it's horror stories. Go ahead. We had some talkative people. You, you don't want to talk. But he was eating your Lowry seasoning. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah. So, we, you know, we never really had anything super crazy. We had some people who had cultural differences, I feel like. Maybe they didn't understand how we do things here. Parking in your driveway, you know, cooking in your drawers in the kitchen, using people's seasonings. <laughs> One time we thought it was a good idea, I guess, to go out of town while we had guests here. And we didn't want to cancel our trip, but we had actually booked and we didn't want to cancel them. When we got home, they had drunk up all of our essentia water. I'm talking about the essentia water. You'll know that. $4 water. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They had them things. Half, they had those things all upstairs, halfway open, um, cigarette butts all over the front porch. Like, but it wasn't total. So that's why I feel like we don't have any like super horror stories. We had some carnies staying with us, some people who were here to work at the local fair. They woke up on cloud 10, y'all. They wake up like excited, ready to go, ready to talk, like chatty Cathy. Like it was crazy. And Micah, he's the introvert. He's the quiet one. He's the one who needs his space and thoughts. And I'm the one who I can talk to fly on the wall. I like to have a good time. Like, sure, let's go. Like, you know, let's do it. And so, Micah, I think that was more sort of your horror story, dealing with those two who were here. Because every time <laughs> they come out, he'd like dart off to the bedroom. And now he has a closed <laughs> office. But at first, his office was just an open space right there. But we've now since uh, enclosed it and insulated it for silence. But I feel like that's like our horror stories. I don't know, Micah, can you think of any other ones that I might miss? No, that was it. The one who was eating your, you kept complaining to me about that one. The dude who was eating up your, uh, I think it was Lowry seasoning. You was hot. I was like, dang, man, we can go get some more. They paying the mortgage. We good. But uh, yeah, I think that was the only one. But yeah, the carnies, they were a bit much. They were very talkative, you know, but that was that was mainly it. Like we haven't had too many horror stories. We've had some That's great. Stuff, we we definitely had our fair share. We had. a. Did we? Are you talking about in our house or like the other Airbnb? The other, the other Airbnbs, we have more stories in our house. Yeah. There were two particular. We had an Italian couple that I mean. They got it in. It was it was crazy. It was like I had to burn the sheets after they left. And then <laughs> we had a, uh, and she didn't see that one because I cleaned up after that one. But I mean, it was from the window to the wall. It was it was everywhere. And then we had a. Uh, oh, I think she was a runaway. We had like a runaway and she like ran away from like California or something like that. She got on a plane. She had a special needs brother. You don't know what it was. You don't know what these people are. She said it was her brother. And if you if you're familiar with special needs at all, there's a spectrum. Right. And so there is severe. And then, you know, you know, anyway, he was closer to the severe side. So she literally came to Houston on a plane with very little um, caught an Uber and convinced the Uber driver to let her and the brother stay at his place. Well, when he got fed up, he paid for her an Airbnb, which happened to be our place. 
Um, and so this young girl and her special needs brother end up at our house. Um, and he did some interesting things like dismantle a clock with his bare hands, take all the pieces out. Um, he would try to come upstairs. So we live upstairs and the guests stayed downstairs. And the only rule we had was that, you know, you couldn't go upstairs. That's where our family reside. Um, so he would try to come upstairs. She couldn't control him. She asked me at 11 p.m. at night if I could take her to Walmart to buy some things. Um, and then, they have no and then when we were about to like basically put them out like, hey, sweetheart, I don't think you can stay here anymore. You have to figure something else out. We canceling your reservation. He came out of the bedroom, but naked and rolled around on our coffee table. And he was and a pretty big Yes. Um, so that was that's when we decided, like, OK, we're not doing this in our personal home anymore. Um, and that's the very short version, because there was lots of rigmarole and up and down. But eventually what we got to was this girl came from she had to be a runaway or something and the connection and how all these things came about. But that was so wild that we were like, OK, I think we're going to just wash our hands with using our personal home for short-term rental. Otherwise, we had pretty decent guests, very low-key travel nurse. I don't know. Yeah, we had some regular folks. Yeah, it was it was pretty, but but that was interesting. Okay, so y'all did your house. You had the condo. What is that? What does trajectory look like throughout the years? If y'all started back in 2016, it's 2023. So what's been happening between then and now? Go ahead, babe. Oh, yeah, you'll just color up what I say. Okay. So, so from 16 to now, we, the, so the condo, we 1031 exchanged it into a home in Arkansas because the property taxes are a little bit, well, a lot cheaper there. And we train, turned that into 1031, that into a three bed, two bath. And then after we got, did we have that house before Marla or after? Which one? Peachtree. Uh, be- before. Before. So yeah, we 1031 that one into a three bed, two bath. Then we bought a house out of the auction and we did a burr on that. And we finished that one, I want to say during the pandemic. So we got a really good interest rate. And then we did, we just finished the burr. That's why we was on the phone and we're going to rent that one out section eight. So right now we're up to four rentals. And then we also do Airbnb arbitrage. So we do arbitrage a few properties and then we try to take the profits from that and throw that into buying. So our goal right now is to buy as much as possible. We're trying to get to, I believe we need about eight more doors and just pay those off. Once they're paid off, we're going to try to move into like the multifamily and boutique hotel space. What, um, what market you guys are in Dallas, right? Mm-hmm. But most of the properties that we buy are in Arkansas. So why Arkansas? Just the property taxes or you specifically like Arkansas family in Arkansas? What? Yeah. I have boots on the ground and then. Property taxes and the cash flow is really high. And mm-hmm. that's why I eventually want to move into like multifamily in Texas because the only thing is you don't have no appreciation there. It's a cash flow market. Yeah, that makes sense. You have family in Arkansas, right? Don't y'all have family in Arkansas? You just said that. Yeah. yeah said boots on the ground. Okay. What did y'all do before real estate? Like, what did y'all do as regular jobs before y'all were full time? Yeah. I investigated child abuse and neglect uh, for oh, Dallas damn. County for seven and a half years. I just retired right. um, a year ago, April, it made a year. And so oh. that was my job straight out of college. Before that, I did security gigs and nanny gigs. Mm-hmm. So I combined the two. Now I'm, I became security of children for the state. 
So I always kind of just been in that protector mode. So this is way different for me. Yeah. So yeah. I'm a, well, I'm still an engineer. So I'm an engineer. I've uh, been doing that for about 11 years now. So it's still going on. Okay. Yeah. Nice. So this is, this is, this is not a side business because you're pretty active in it, but you also have an active income as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we have recently because yeah. he was actually out for a year and a half. Um, he just went back this past March, this year in March. He just went back to his old position that he had because we kind of got situated with everything. Mm-hmm. And I learned what I had to learn to be able to make real estate happen for us, even though he's there. So, yeah, yeah. that's like the really powerful part, you know, because we were off what a year and a half together, and you know. We were off a year and a half and then we had our daughter right when we went off. So that whole time, our daughter, we we didn't really have daycare. So we we're ripping and running, doing meetings. Mahogany's got the baby with her, having to go mm-hmm. breastfeed, you know. Um, so I was like, okay, I might as well go back and then we start sending her to daycare. And as soon as I did that, what I think you just closed the wholesale deal Monday or Tuesday? Yeah, Monday. Monday. So it started moving much faster pace. So teamwork make the dream work. No, and we call that the igniter and stabilizer. So, you know, y'all have both served in various roles, right? At any given time. But right now, Micah, you're serving as the stabilizer. So Mahogany, you can be the igniter and, you know, go make it go faster. Right. Uh, I can't believe you last that long in child, you know, child protective and abuse. That's a hard ass job. I, I I had a friend of mine who was in that for he only lasted three years. But I mean, he can't even see like it, especially being a parent. That's a hard job, man. So prayers to you. Yeah, People always say that you lasted that long. That's crazy. Yeah, you did last a long time. It's interesting, though. I I like that you share that y'all were both like full time doing the real estate thing. And then one of you um, went back to work because we did we did the very social media, the social media buzz thing of like we quit our jobs and went full time in real estate. And we did. And we tell people all the time it is the ghetto. It was the most ghetto thing we've ever done. And the experience was quite ghetto because it's very difficult to transition from a paycheck every week to like everything you eat, you kill. And if you have a bad week, bad month, bad quarter, that affects your household, it affects your family, it affects your children. And so, um, and your marriage too. And so I'm just, it's, it's good to hear that, you know, people, and I want other people to recognize that like, you're going to jump out, you're going to try some stuff, you're going to take big risks, you're going to make big rewards. But also with that big risk comes some reshuffling of what that looks like and reshuffling your vision to come back stronger, or to add to what you have already. And so um, I appreciate you sharing that you you went back into um, engineering or whatever. And I, as a person who been where you guys have been, definitely see the value in that. Nothing makes a refinance easier than a job. Okay. People be sleeping on that. Like walking the bank, they love to see you coming when you got a job. It's very hard. I'd like to add, this isn't, that wasn't the first time Mike has left his job to pursue real estate. He left his job to pursue real estate I want to say in 2018. Well, got laid off. Well, you didn't look for another job. You were like, hey, I'm just going to do this real estate thing. So he got laid off and, you know, he was like, I'm just going to do real estate. 
you know, and, and then he did catapult the business forward a lot during the off time. And then he went back to another job where he's at, I think now. Um, so yeah, there was a lot of, you know, leave, come back, leave, come back. And I hope I ain't got to go back. I wouldn't want you to go back either. If I was Mike, I'd be like, uh, yeah, stay home. Like, even if the kids are cool, <laughs> we'll like, figure it out, just be happier when I see <laughs> the best part. And the reason why I like really want her off is because during that year, we were both in it. We learned each other's strengths and weaknesses. And then now I can magnify her strengths magnify my strengths. Her strength is with people. So I'm like, I was trying to do people stuff and that's just not me. First day I sat down, Mahogany sat down with a seller. Boom, boom. We getting information. Boom, boom. Cause she's a people person. So her being yeah. off just catapults us. So that's another huge thing is me. I'm more of an introvert. Uh, she comes to me like on the numbers part. Cause that's me. I can run numbers all day. Anything back scenes. That's me. And then she's forward facing. She's the customer facing. So it works perfectly. So I'm making sure she's not going back. Yeah, there we go. I love it. I love, I love it. that. Yeah, yeah. No, um, compliment. You're complimentary. Um, and I don't know. Y'all probably get a lot of couples that come to y'all. It's like we want to do what y'all are doing. And you look at them, look at their relationship. And you go, Ooh, I don't know if that's gonna really work out for y'all. I realize that it's some. It's something special about two people that do what it is that you guys do um, and that we do. We have the connection that we have and the way we're able to work together. It's not, everybody just can't do it. Everybody's just not going to do it, what you guys have done. Um, and so I certainly consider this community to be a special group of people that can work together and build, you know, wealth for their family and through real estate. I agree. Um, like we're saying eight more doors for you guys, right? Mm-hmm. And that's eight more own doors. Would at that point, would you still do arbitrages? Would you are the arbitrages feeding the ownership? What's the end goal? What's the number on cash flow? What's retirement look like for y'all if that's what you're aiming for or whatever? We just want 20k a month passive. I ain't got to do nothing, don't have to answer no calls, nothing, just 20k a month passive. And from there, I think we would probably move into the Boutique hotel, multifamily space. Um, but yeah, we just want eight more doors. That'll be put us where we need to be, you know, on the cash flow side. We're going to pay them off, like we said, because it's going to take a minute to get them. Because our mentor always says, get the doors that you need. He goes, you hear all these people on these real estate podcasts. Oh, I got 100 doors, 200 doors. He goes, they ain't telling you they got a whole bunch of investors behind them. He can get their hand out like this. He goes, get your single family doors, pay them off. Now you become the bank. You can do whatever you want to do. And I was like, man, when he broke that down to me, that's when me and Mahogany like, okay. And he break, broke down how to find the number of doors you want, you need. And that's how we just start working reverse after that. No, so y'all have four now. Mm-hmm. Yes. Four that you, that you own. And the goal is to get to eight that you own. Twelve. Or eight more. Twelve. Eight, eight more. Okay. Twelve. Um, and, and then you have arbitrages too, but that's not in the, in the count, right? It's not in the count. We're really trying to get up out of here. We have like what we have five arbitrages in Dallas. And then we also arbitrage our timeshare with it's like 400 plus of those that we arbitrage. So that's our other play as well. How does that yeah. work? Okay. Break it's interesting. You got to listen to that podcast, Kevin. <laughs> so Go back a couple of years. So yeah, Mahogany skipped over this part. Nah, but what happened was um, 
So we went to Vegas. We had a timeshare. It's my parents' timeshare, but they don't ever use it. So what we did was we we usually, me and Mahogany go to Vegas every March for her birthday and for, uh, what is it? The March Madness. We always go to Vegas by ourselves and we roll out. So one day we will stand out the timeshare. And this is right when we had, had been in Airbnb probably a probably not a few months, like two, three months. We had been into it. And Mahogany was like, I wonder if we could rent out this place on Airbnb. And I'm like, well, probably could. So, you know, I went back home, you know, she got the, my wheels turning because she always sparks the idea. So I start typing in. I'm like, hey, how would I do this? And I found out we could. So I just put one on there that was in Vegas. I put it up and immediately got booked. So I was like, hmm, but I was using the points. So when I when I run out of points, I was like, well, dang, I can't do nothing. So I started reading the fine print of the timeshare. They was like, well, you can rent the places anytime you want. You just have to pay money for it. A you nightly know? rate. Yeah, nightly rate. Nightly rate was only like $80. So I'm like, hold on. I can pay nightly rate $80, rent this place out for like $160 because it has a pool, a concierge, everything, right? It's decked out. So I was like, okay, let me try that. So I put put another one up, immediately got booked. So what I did was, this is back in the Airbnb, early Airbnb days where you could duplicate listings. So I'm sitting there just duplicating listings because all it is is one two-bedroom going, I can go put another one, put another one, put another one. And I just started doing it for everywhere around the globe. I've, I've sent people to Fiji. I've sent people to Canada. And so once we started doing that, like a few years ago, it was just like when we first started, we could easily pull in like, 15 grand straight cash flow doing it like really yeah like hidden because nobody was doing it and then uh yeah you remember the early days when we were talking about it and it was like man we was killing it and we was and what we were doing was we was taking a credit card we put everything on a credit card and what you do on the credit card is whenever the it pops up on the chase credit card that you swiped and sent somebody to world mark it gives you three times the points so we probably swipe and we would probably make about 60,000 in points. We could just travel every month. We was traveling just boom for free because we was getting the points. And so that's how we started renting those. And we still rent those, but it's not as booming as it was since the pandemic. And also Airbnb has partnered with some of those timeshares to grab a little profit out of it. So, you know, they got it, got their hand in the pot a little bit, but at first it was booming. We still yeah. get them. When we first found yeah, yeah. out, I don't, was it Airbnb who got their hand in the pot? All I know is timeshares. We started getting all these calls because people were calling, like, we're at the front desk. They said that we got to pay $100 to check in. Oh, yeah, that's what it was. And we're like, what? Timeshare made it. If you're sending someone, it's not just sending someone. Now you got to pay $100 per person that, like, you know, that you're sending. So it got caught on. Like, just out. straight fee, not deposit, not nothing. Like, a fee. Yeah, I guess yeah, like they caught on they caught on to it and was like, hold on, we should be making money off of now, come on now, this. y'all. Y'all know they got this whole billion dollar timeshare industry. Max. They weren't gonna let y'all just go We made a hundred okay, so this is how big we was doing it. We made a hundred thousand dollars in nine months just doing it, right? Airbnb has started calling us up and like we would do these. These uh, like they would start showing us the early features because we had all these listings was making all this money, right? So they would start showing us all these features, and then the next thing we know, the timeshares, like how Mahogany said, the timeshares was started figuring out what we were doing. Once they figured out what we were doing, they were like, "Well, we you got to pay for them to come." So what we did was we just added a little hundred dollar fee onto Airbnb, so they would have to pay every time. 
But yeah, that's when we was, we was making a killing, but they, they figured it out. You know how it is. They figured it out. Yeah. yeah. No, but that's still really awesome though. Right. Um, what does the short-term rental market look like now? I feel like when we had short-term rentals, it was still novel. And so we did really well when we did it and we sold ours right before the pandemic. But now I feel like everybody's doing it. So is there still meat on the bone for you guys? And how has your business changed since it's become such a popular thing to do? That is a really good question. So short term rentals has changed a lot. And the reason why it's changed a lot is because some of the different business models, right? You know, people arbitrage, people own people manage. So what's happening is when the pandemic, not the pandemic's over, the pandemic was actually a great thing for short-term rentals. Everything went up. You could make cash money. So what's happening now is it's getting a lot more competitive. And with the rising interest rates, you have some people getting into the Airbnb space and losing everything because what they're doing is they're running their numbers as short-term rental numbers. And like if a short-term rental law gets shut down, they stuck with a property that don't cash for a long term. And so right now you can make a lot of money, especially the, the two ways to do it. If you're going to arbitrage, you have to arbitrage in bulk. You can't pick up one or two. You got to arbitrage, pick up like 10 or more doors so you can negotiate. Mm-hmm. rent. But if you, but to me personally, I think in the long run is owning. If you can own a house where somebody, like your neighbor's arbitraging his and his operating expenses are way higher than yours and you can provide the same value, that's where the money is. So you got to really, so if you are going to arbitrage, you got to run your numbers really tight, but that's where the space is. And that's what I'm starting to see. Cause when we did a market analysis the other day, we have a nice property out in Plano. My bad. We have six out here. I forgot about the one in Plano and we're arbitraging it, but the neighbor he's charging like a hundred some dollars less than us, but he owns the property. His operating expenses are lower and he has a pool. So you just have to really know your market and know what you're trying to do. So we are moving short term is good, but we're moving more into the midterm space where we're renting to like insurance companies. And that's been a hit for us. Yeah. yeah. Insurance money is good money. That's a, that's a check that always clears for sure. Yeah. And also properties that stand out more are a way not to kind of get lost in the mix of all the arbitragers and short term rentals. It just make yours really stick out, make it really pretty, really like selfie quality. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what people want nowadays. I feel like if it's super cute, like people will book with you over, you know, a plain Jane who has like put a, a blanket and a coffee table in there, like, you know, make it look really cute, put an art wall or somewhere to put, take some cute pictures, you know, and we look at our hair done and stuff. Like they have those cute walls that like grass walls or something, make it cute, make it look like something people want to take a picture in and have an actual experience with. Um, and also with all these cities now having different policies in place and shutting down Airbnb or whatever, like that's an issue too. So I feel like if you're in a city that doesn't have regulation yet, you know, maybe not start there, start where there's already regulation in place. So you don't have to deal with that later on. Mm, uh, that's a good outlook. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. I think y'all take an approach for a long-term ownership view of Airbnbs that I really like because, you know, a lot of people are, they fly by night, right? They watch the 30 second clip and like, man, I'm about to go arbitrage me some. And like you said, lose everything they got because, you know, they're just, they're thinking they're going to hit a lick. Mm. And a lot of times people never really look at real estate as the industry. They look at a particular vehicle and go, that's the thing. 
And what y'all are looking at is we're in real estate. Now, our vehicles may change, right? Whether it's midterm, short term, Section 8, whatever, but we're going to figure out what's the best way to maximize our investment across the board because this is a lifestyle for us. And I think that's the thing to take away that so many other people who get started, not just couples, but individuals get started and they think that this is a hustle that's going to maybe not even replace their job, but just they can hit a lick real quick, go to the mall, I got 10 bands, you know, whatever. And that's not a reality, right? You want to look at the long term and say, yeah, I might be lucky once or twice. I might make $100,000 in nine months, but how do I use that $100,000 to sustain a lifestyle for the next 30 years versus I went and blew $100,000 on a Lamborghini and now I'm, you know, up a creek without a paddle. See, yeah. I'm happy you brought that up because on my podcast, that's what I preach all the time. If you're trying to get, if you think this is a get rich quick scheme, it ain't going to work. The, the money is long term. You know, I, I tell, and I'm going to be honest, especially in our community, a lot of people, you know, African Americans, they was really getting into the whole arbitrage thing, which I'm like, that's cool, but have an end goal to own. You know what I mean? There's been too much that's happened to us where, you know, we couldn't own property at point redline and everything else. You got to have an end goal to own and control. You know, we can't complain about our conditions if we aren't looking to control neighborhoods. And that goes into other economic factors, you know, voting money and everything else. But I do preach that heavy look to own, especially if you're in the short term yeah. space. And what's the like your plan B if this doesn't work out? Right. Like when we sold our Airbnbs, uh, we did own them, but we literally sold them with all the furniture in them. Like we were like, hey, we selling this house. It's on the market. You have to take all of this. And they were decked out brand new TVs, brand new furniture, artwork, everything. But we just didn't have the bandwidth to sell every little piece of furniture that was in there. Um, and so we were just like, we put it on the market and said, you have to take the furniture as a condition to purchasing this home. Um, and so we just kind of fire sold it to get rid of it when we did, when we did yeah, sell we it. And we it wasn't, we made money. We sure. But I'm just saying like, we didn't decommission the thing and oh, yeah. give a blank canvas. We were like, you got to take it just like this. When we the sold it, were full when we gave it away. They were. I mean, it was, it was a functioning, they were functioning short-term rental. Um, so I have two questions before we close out. The first, the first one is now you alluded to it already, but what are the, the and you can say it if it's already done, but the long term vision for uh, Mahogany and Micah. And then finally, for couples that want to do what it is that you're doing, if each of you could kind of give a word of advice. Mm. You want to go with the vision? Um, so our vision. Yeah, our vision is to, of course, be fin financially free. That's the buzzword. But not only just to say we're financially free. Um, we really want to be able to travel as we please um, with our children. Um, we want to be able to do that. You know, uh, Mike is on this job for now, but I want it to be an option if we want to be there or not. Um, we really like giving back um, with our time. Um, I mentor young girls here in Dallas, and I would love to be able to have more time for that and other things that we both extremely believe in. Um, so really the end goal for us is not just hustle, 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 but align, align with what we want to do. Because I feel like at the end of the day, everything that Mike and I do, like, it's not selfish. It's really because we want 
the opportunity to help young kids who might not have guidance and direction and give them these advices that we weren't taught. It's really selfless what we're trying to do here. So I feel like our vision is really just to get financially free so we can start doing these things that we feel like we were called to do here on earth to begin with, like why we're even here. We're low-key people. We're not really name brand people. Um, like I'm cool staying in this house forever. Like it's not a problem. I want to be able to travel when I want though. Like I want to be able to go where I want to go. Um, we're really low-key people. So I think it just looks like for us, it's just having that 20K a month cash flow. So whatever else we decide to do, it's our choice. And it's not like we're being forced. We want to travel with our families. And even though our families might not be able to pay their way, we can pay their way. And it's not anything that's going to hurt us, you know? And it's just like, look, I don't care. We're just going to go to Hawaii and have a good time, not worry about where we're staying and how we're going to fly there. Like that's, that's goals for us. Um, Micah does want a, what do you want? That Mercedes car? Oh, uh, yeah. yeah. That, that's not only, yeah, yeah. My that's the only thing I think, like his only thing he wants what are those things called i don't even know hey, man you can make that shake g-wagon is tax write-off g-wagon right? there we go there you go that's what i wanted <laughs> yeah he wants one i just want a tall truck with a big bed and tall wheels like i just want a big big old truck that's all I want. that's not a cheap a big texas truck it's not but those are i think those are our only like little things like financial. we're like we want to have this car you know i think that's our only thing where we're like this is what we want uh, I'm sure we want nice things. We like good technology. We're all about technology. Give us some good technology. We're good with that. Uh, question, and this might be a completely offshoot question, but all the way back to the beginning, they gave y'all Chromebooks when y'all went to the three day seminar, like cold computers, like actual computers or tablets. What did they give us? I think it was Book a tablet. Tablets? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, they did, and it was it was because we signed up for the next program. Uh, I mean, I. I don't know how much they cost at the time, but if y'all only paid a thousand dollars, that was a pretty good deal. I mean, it was a good deal. Yeah, like, Mike is not. Mike is real frugal. He's not going to let us not get a good deal. <laughs> you real frugal, but you want to buy a G wagon. <laughs> my only. That's my only uh, big expense I want. That's your splurge. That's your and you hey, should man, have that. I'm all about buy what you want. Look, we work hard. You buy what you want. It's like nice. that's what real estate is for, and you get to write it off. So there you go. That's my biggest thing about it is the write-off. That six thousand pound write-off. I'm looking forward to it. But absolutely. Um, so, someone, so, Michael, go ahead. You can share your vision. Uh, my vision is very similar. I mean, I think that's that is my vision is for us to have that financial freedom, be able to mentor people. Because um, I really would like, especially because I told you I invest in Arkansas, and I would really like my niece. My niece has been the closest one to start kind of reaching out and try to get involved. I really want that for my family because uh, my family didn't. My parents, my, my parents gave me a lot, but they didn't come from a lot. So it's generational. Right. So I want to be able to help provide that for the next generation. And then um, as far as like you, I know you asked um, for people who want to get started. Um, I would say align with yourselves. Um, if you are married, one thing I do always suggest is get a marriage mentor. One thing that's really helped me and Mahogany is we have a marriage mentor and they will come and just, you know, break things down to us. Good thing is they're also in real estate as well, but they've really pushed us along in this journey. And one thing that they, she said to me and that really helped, that was a pivotal point for our marriage that really made us take off was she said, shout out to Mavis and Emmanuel, but she said, Micah, if you really want your marriage, your business, everything to take off, you have to invest in your marriage 
just like you do in the businesses that you're being, you've been creating, that y'all been creating. And once we did that, once I did that, I started reading books like every day. Like right now, I'm reading one another marriage book, and we're, she's actually listening to it. That really helped me take off because I learned so much. So like this was like probably two years ago. I just started reading books daily. So one book I would tell people to read. Um, one is Love and Respect, and the second one is Strengths Based Marriage. Like that one right there will take your marriage to another level because what it does is it teaches you to find the strengths in each other and focus on the strengths of in y'all marriage, and it'll really help y'all take off. But before you try to get into real estate, align with each other, get on the same page, and y'all take off. That's good. That's Love really, you. really good. What about you, Mahalik? Do you have anything? Yeah, my, my advice for real estate and marriage, and who's get started on this, uh, would definitely be, of course, get on the same page as your partner and support your partner. I feel like even times where I was not on the same page with Micah, I still believed in what he was doing and what he saw for our family. So just as, you know, whoever that is, it could be the man or the woman, whoever is the one with this grand idea and you feel like, you know, okay, I can kind of see it. I'm not on that page yet with you, but I can see it and just supporting them there in that space. Um, I, you know, Micah knows like, Everything he says is gold to me when it comes to business planning, financial planning, any type of. And that's even before he even showed me any proof. I just believed in him from the jump. Like, you know, I I believe in what you're doing. You say we need to go to the seminar. Let's go. You know, you say we need to, you know, go to this course. Let's go. You say we need to do this. Okay, we need to rent out these upstairs bedrooms and sleep in the room together with the kid. Okay, you know, I feel like I've always kind of just been that partner who's really supportive and. At first, I didn't want to get into real estate stuff, really. I'll help with the logos and the share B&B, come with the names, all that. I'll stage the properties and clean them up and all that. But I don't really want to do real estate because to me, that was a building business. Like It's about buildings and houses. And I love people. I'm a people person. So I, I found out quickly that real estate is a financial vehicle and everyone needs to do real estate. So if anyone's listening to this and they're on the fence about if they need to do real estate, yes, you need to do real estate. I have friends who are like, oh, I'm not into, into, into real estate. So you're not into money. You're not into currency. You know, I love all that. Oh, I'm going to buy my pr- primary residence, but I'm not really into houses. Like it's beyond that. So just, you know, seeing the vision your partner brings to you and just kind of following that. Um, even if you have to do it blindly, just have faith and know that unless they already done messed up a lot and you're like, nah, last time you brought me a business, we were broke. So I get that. So I'm not trying to tell people to, you know, blindly follow, but you know, if your partner hasn't shown you no bad and it's regarding real estate. Yeah, definitely. You can't really lose there. Um, that's why I'm able to be where I'm at today doing this is because Micah would bring me things and I was receptive to it and not blocked off. I know marriages whose spouse brought them real estate and they are blocked off and the marriage is in turmoil. And they're like, they're resenting each other. And you should have just pushed me harder. You should have believed in me and all this. So your partner's bringing you some real estate stuff, believe in it, do your own research. If you need to, that's fine too, but just believe in them. Um, My book would be the five love languages. Um, I also love love and respect as well. Um, And when reading five love, love languages, I would say, read it, seeking out your own love language to find out what your love language is. So you can in turn communicate that to your partner, what your love language is. Don't read it trying to find your partner's love language. Oh, I think this is him. I think he's like this. Like, it's, no, it's finding your love language so you can communicate that to your partner. So uh, that would be my advice. I love it. Everything that you said was just so real. It was like, 
Yep. Everything that everybody out there on the fence needs to hear because there's so many people going through those types of situations, right? Like either a partner messed up a bunch and you don't want to roll the dice or you didn't believe from the jump, you know what I mean? And it does take that grit to be, you know, you're in this car with this person for the rest of your life. Where y'all go is y'all's plan, you know, but it's got to be either an enjoyable ride or a horrible ride. And it's up to you to choose how that plays out. So, you know, I really appreciate your advice for other couples because they need to hear it. Like, if you want to go where you want to go, if you want the life that you you think you want, um, well, there's some things you got to do to get there. And you might have to sleep in a, a you know, a guest room for a, a little bit to get there. You might have to let your husband work a little bit later or you work a little bit later. You might have to go back to that job or you might have to do these things. But if you take a long look at life and your relationship and you say, here's where we want to go. And then we want to enjoy the ride as we get there. It's so worth it. How's that? That too. Yes. Thank you guys so much. I enjoyed this tremendously. Um, I, like I said, I'm a fan of the both of you. I've watched you over the years. And so I've seen, you know, y'all's life cycles and you have children and your children grow up. So I feel like I I know you <laughs> um, and am, am grateful that you guys decided to spend the time with us. And for those of us who are viewing this particular episode, you know, it's so important to get around people who do what you do. Um, those people who love and support one another in marriage, they like being married, but also people who do real estate, because what it does is it normalizes what we're doing. The things that we're talking about, when we try to talk about these kinds of things outside of our marriage or outside of the community of people who do this is either a foreign language they don't relate or better yet they are afraid for us they think oh man y'all what y'all are doing is really risky right but when we have these kind of conversations with each other and we find ourselves with people that are like us it's normal it's like oh yeah of course you arbitrage this and you leverage to get here and there like it all makes sense and you don't feel crazy like Kevin used to say like man these people making me feel crazy I'm like You're not crazy we just doing something different um, and that's why we created the Marriage and Real Estate Podcast. That's why we have the Marriage and Real Estate Community. And that's also why we are doing our in our inaugural Marriage and Real Estate Conference. And so I have no idea what y'all are doing in November, but we would love to have you guys out and be a part of the Marriage and Real Estate Conference. Don't worry, my people will reach out to you about that. Um, but um, come and be a part of this community. So I'm inviting the artists. Boom, I did it. I am, but I'm also inviting all of you who are watching. If you are a couple who is interested in real estate, you do real estate, or you're trying to figure it out together, come and be a part of this community uh, with the Marriage and Real Estate Conference, and you know, drop us a line on the Marriage and Real Estate Podcast. So let's tell the audience where they can find the two of you and what you all are doing. Uh, okay, you can find me on IG um, at Micah Artists. Um, and then we can also follow us at Entrepreneur Marriage on Instagram and Mahogany, you can give yours. Sure. And you can follow me on at Mahogany Artists. Um, and you can check out our properties at sharebreadandbreakfast.com. On our uh, share bread and breakfast on Instagram. Mm -hmm. on instagram gotcha 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 and we'll put those in the show notes but thank you guys again uh, for everybody out there please like and subscribe the marriage and real estate podcast for more conversations like this with real life couples doing real real estate 
uh, and really marry 